very good Friday. Welcome to this edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Coming up in the show here today, we'll bring you feature agricultural news reports, and then we'll check in with national and regional agricultural news headlines as well. And we get started with regional agricultural news right after this. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero, Superior Bees, Superior Pollination. Dormancy breaking materials can help growers overcome a variety of issues related to challenges pertaining to chill accumulation. Research Director at the Mari Agricultural Research Institute, Masu Kezri, has been working with Dormex in pistachios. The research is showing promising results, but Kezri suggests getting familiar with the material before widespread application. He says most of the pistachio growers and farm managers are not familiar with this new product, Dormex. He highly suggests that if they have any concern about this product, it's good to try it in a few rows and harvest them separately from the entire field and then get the data to see what is the effect of Dormex on those few rows. Then they can have a better understanding of how Dormex or other rust-breaking agents can work in their individual fields. This is very important as location by location, year by year, everything could be different, he says. A smaller trial of dormancy breaking materials allows a grower to more easily track the impact to bloom synchrony and timing. Kesri says that small trials of Dormex in a pistachio orchard should have both male and female rows to, to get a better picture of how it impacts bloom. It's good that the growers and the farm managers have their own experience with using Dormex and other rust-breaking agents to see what's the effect on the crop and production, according to Kesri. Information from the University of California Davis Chill Calculator shows that as of February 15th, the Durham Simis Station has logged 71.4 portions under the dynamic model with 1,214 hours below 45 degrees Fahrenheit. The station at Manteca has registered 68.3 portions with 1,108 hours. There have been 1,273 hours in Merced with 69.4 cumulative portions. In five points, there have been 1,192 chill hours, equating to 65.2 portions. Finally, the Simmons stations in Schaffner has registered 65.9 portions with 1,163 hours. The organic artichoke market is looking for solid volume and promotional pricing for the next four to six weeks. At least that is a view of Mark Munger, Senior Director of Marketing for Ocean Mist Farms in Castroville, the nation's leading supplier of both organic and conventional artichokes. Recently, he said volume was about to pop over the next few days as a company's winter artichoke acreage, which has grown in the desert region of California in the Coachella Valley, is a fantastic time. That from Matt Munger, Senior Director of Marketing for Ocean Mist Farm in Castroville, the nation's leading supplier of both organic and conventional artichokes. He said volume was about to pop over the next few days on a company's winter artichoke acreage, which has grown in the desert region of California in the Coachella Valley. He says it's a fantastic time to promote both organic 
organic and conventional artichokes and said the price on organic artichokes is typically pretty steady, but to move this winter volume, they are going to have to be aggressive marketers. The veteran produce industry marketing executive who joined Ocean Mist last fall said organic artichokes do respond well to retail promotions. He added that attractive retail pricing, large displays, and multiple pack options increase velocity. Impulse buys go up, he says, offering organic artichokes in bulk as well as two and four count packs is a big part of their marketing strategy, he says. And he revealed that this year's winter crop is peaking on larger sizes, with the organic chokes averaging between 18 and 24 count size, which Munger added is a large artichoke. He reminded that while two and four count packs are increasingly popular, bulk artichoke sales remain the largest category for both organic and conventional retail displays. The desert production of the artichoke revolves around annual plants, which Ocean Mist has been researching and perfecting for the past 25 years. He has more heirloom perennial plants in a traditional growing area of Castrol, he said. And Munger noted that throughout the year, Ocean Mist has a steady supply of organic artichokes, representing 5 to 8% of its volume at any given time. The organic category continues to grow in popularity, and they continue to add organic acreage. Melissa's Produce, headquartered in Southern California, is also a year-round supplier of organic artichokes, but its supply at this time of the year is tight as it does not source from a desert production region. Director of Public Relations Robert Schuler revealed that the company has all the same growing areas year-round, which are in Salinas and Castroville. He reported that the market has been very strong throughout the winter, but it is dropping, which apparently is reflecting the increased winter production. Over the past couple months, he said FOB price on a case of organic artichokes was as high as $48.00. And right now, a case costs around $34. Typical pricing during the peak of the season is $26. Carrot supplies are steady but slightly lower. They have another couple of weeks to go, so supply is a little tighter than it has been, according to Rob Gergosian with Kern Ridge Growers LLC. He says overall with baby carrots, organic and conventional, they've been pretty happy with the yields. At the same time, demand is good for the vegetable. Gergosian notes that some suppliers had shortages which have driven the market since early December. And he says as everybody gets ready to start the next season, it should shift to a better supply situation industry-wide. He also says carrots historically are one of the cheaper vegetables at the grocery store, so they haven't really seen a decline or a major increase in the overall volume moved. Looking ahead, California growers are getting ready to cycle into the carrot season in the Imperial Valley. And Gergosian says it will begin in that region in mid-March. However, there may be a supply change in this new growing area. He says finding quality ground with water in California is becoming more and more of a challenge and says with the cost being what they are, he doesn't see people putting in extra acres. He says they'll probably plant what they have commitments for and he doesn't see them gambling much after that. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. 
We've talked a fair amount about these bee hero pollinator research stations that are scattered around the state, and you might be wondering why at this point. Yes, it's pollination season and a crucial time period for almond orchards, but these research stations are providing public data about pollinator activity and bloom progression to the grower that was either previously inaccessible or somewhat complicated to obtain. The more folks that know about this valuable data, the better insights can be seen regarding pollinator efficiency as well as improvements for the grower-beekeeper relationship. If I see three bees flying or 30 or 300, as a beekeeper, you would have some kind of understanding what it means. As a grower, you don't always understand what what's the meaning of that. So when they use this data that is shared with them in the pollination, pollination research station, they can see, first of all, how many hours a day the bees were flying. So... On a day like today, it's chilly here, it's windy. I expect to see lower bee activity. Um, you could see how many hours a day. So maybe you'd see they it took them longer to start flying and then they forage for a few hours and then they'll finish their day early because the conditions are not right. Um, this will provide the grower some understanding of the potential of pollination in the field, regardless to anything else, just looking at the environment and the effect of temperature on the bees. The other thing is they could see real-time bloom progression. So normally they have big orchards, they have their own thing, but they don't really have a proper way or a precise way to measure it other than people go and count flowers or you know do things in a very old-fashioned way because there was never a better way and as I said I've done this over 30 years ago and we're still doing the same thing so Be Hero actually comes with a technology that allows us to do this a little bit better a little bit more precise and hopefully we'll get even better as years go by and we get more experience and more research put into these uh, stations. So in general, a grower would look, they would see the bloom in the orchard from the very first day all along the time until now in real time. They will see the strength of the hives that are in their orchards. So if they ordered let's say 12 frames per acre or whatever, they can see what's really happening. And this is solving this box issue that they don't know what's in there. Um, and the last thing is what is actually the bee doing in the orchard? So are they flying? How often? Uh, how many hours a day and so on? So this all together should give them a good and I want to say precise understanding from the bee all the way through the orchard and the bloom, a good, nice picture of the pollination efficiency. That was Bee Heroes Dorit Avni, who works directly with the pollinator research stations, and she said the beekeepers can also benefit in several ways from the data themselves. Almonds are the first crop to bloom in a very 
challenging time of the year, both for the growers, but especially for the beekeepers, because the bees are coming out of winter. In most locations, the queen stopped laying, the population is small, you know, they're kind of a um, slower um, metabolism and activity in the colonies. And then we expect them to come to the pollination in almonds with big populations, with a lot of activity and, you know, in, in a time that is very challenging for the beekeepers. So it starts before, much before the pollination itself, when the beekeepers get those sensors and they place them in the hives and they know what's the condition, how the hives are doing, and they can choose the best hives that they want to send for pollination. So even, you know, it's it's on a very basic beekeeping practices, but even if you look at um, transferring and tra transporting bees, so all those huge trucks, it costs a lot of money, gas, manpower, you know, it, it's a whole huge operation uh, to, to run. And then imagine you bring hives that are not fit for pollination. They get to a holding yard and they tell you, no, these are no good. So you already invested all this. And yeah, so, so from that perspective, it's a better, I would say, management for the beekeepers. It can help them um, improve um, um, the way they choose hives because it's very difficult at this time of the year uh, to go over all the colonies, you know, if you're a commercial beekeeper with ten, tens of thousands of colonies, it, it's really challenging time for them. The public also has access to data from pollinator research stations. Avni said more and more people are becoming aware of honeybees' importance to pollination and food to the global landscape. The data can help the public understand this importance as well as the complexity behind pollination. The message of the importance is, is there. People understand that. I think every person or almost every person that you will ask in the street will know that about a third of what they're eating is dependent on pollination. And it's, it sounds simple. You put the hives, the bees go to the flowers, and you have more foods. But it's much more to this, and you have to bring the hives in the right condition and in the right timing, and you have to put them in the right positions, and a lot of little things that, unless you're a beekeeper or a grower, there's no way that you'll be exposed to it. So to me, this dashboard that is accessible to everyone gives kind of a whole picture from the perspective of the tree and the flowers, and it's also very nice to see it, but also the complexity of, of that white box that is out there and we don't really know what is it doing. So this is a transparent way <laughs> to share this information with the general public. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Chalstrom. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. 
Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. The perennial farm bill fight over spending for nutrition versus commodity programs has begun with heated exchanges in a Senate Ag Committee that could make writing a 2023 farm bill even more difficult. You directed it, so it is the current law and it built into the baseline. USDA Deputy Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, Stacey Dean, defending a major food stamp spending update of the Thrifty Food Plan Food Basket, directed by the last farm bill. But it was not the answer top Senate Ag Republican John Bozeman was looking for. The entire farm bill scored at $867 billion. He spent $250 billion unilaterally. Congress had no intention of you doing that, none. And if you understood that that was going to happen, then you should have alerted Congress because it's not just $250 billion. What we're understanding now we're talking about another $90 billion. So a third of a trillion dollars with an $867 billion bill. I mean, how can we trust you? But Chair Debbie Stabenow defended USDA. So we cut SNAP. It doesn't add money. Commodity title, we had money. The commodity title, it doesn't affect SNAP. But that was not Bozeman's view. What you're going to do is crowd out our ability to use funds because you've already spent them on other programs. That's totally unacceptable. And like I say, the big thing is that's going to really limit, I think, our ability to help the other programs, which I desperately want to do. Programs like Crop Insurance, Conservation, ARC, and PLC, the Bozeman claims will now be squeezed further, even with a new bigger baseline. And Senate Ag Chair Debbie Sabinow is pleased with the nomination of So Shield Taurus Small to be the new Deputy Secretary of Agriculture. She says that as Undersecretary of Rural Development, she gave a voice to the 60 million people who call rural America their home. Stabenow adds that I've been impressed with her commitment to addressing challenges in our food supply chain, fighting the climate crisis, and creating good-paying jobs in rural America. The American Farm Bureau Federation also congratulated Taurus Small on her nomination, saying her experience with rural America and her time on the House Agriculture Committee give her important perspectives to address the issues facing America's farmers and ranchers. That, according to AFBF, President Zippy Duvall. He also says the organization and its members look forward to working with her to ensure USDA continues to support America's farmers and their mission to grow safe, affordable food for families across the nation. The USDA projected America's food and agricultural exports will drop by 12% through fiscal year 2026. The erosion will be caused by a global economic slowdown, inflation, higher interest rates, and a strong U.S. dollar. Overall, economic conditions are projected to slow U.S. exports quicker than imports, leading to a trade deficit. USDA projections show that exports will drop across the board. Reduced export volumes will also mean lower commodity prices, but 2027 is expected to show a rebound in exports. Farm exports were forecast at $190 billion this year, dropping to $166.3 billion in 2026 and then rising to $182.2 billion by 2032, the last year of the 10-year baseline. Imports will also slow down but are expected to recover by 2032. Food and ag imports were forecast at $199.1 billion this year and grow to $200 billion by the year 2032. 
The Environmental Protection Agency has announced a proposed rule overturning a Trump-era change related to pesticide applications. The proposal would return pesticide application exclusion zone requirements to the standards set in the 2015 Agricultural Worker Protection Standard. In 2020, the Trump administration published a rule reducing the application exclusion zone, or AEZ, requirements. Michael Freehoff, EPA Chemical Safety and Pollution Prevention Assistant Administrator, explains. The original 2015 rule required either a 100-foot or 25-foot zone around pesticide spraying, depending on the droplet size, which is a measure of how easily a pesticide can drift and accidentally expose people. The 2020 rule removed the 100-foot zone category altogether and created a general 25-foot zone for all pesticide spraying. The AEZ is the area surrounding an ongoing pesticide application that people must not enter to avoid exposure. An AEZ moves with the equipment during applications to protect farm workers and bystanders that could be contacted by pesticides. The new proposal would revert back to the requirements included in the 2015 rule. Meanwhile, a court-ordered stay has prevented the 2020 rule from going into effect. Yes, the 2015 rule has remained in effect because of the stay, but of course, the 2020 rules remain on the books. So this step is an important one to enshrine the protections in, in our regulations. Ryan Yarger, EPA Environmental Protection Specialist, says EPA is proposing to retain some provisions in a 2020 AEZ rule. So we are proposing to provide what's called an immediate family exemption for farm owners. So this would allow owners and their immediate families, so thinking like grandmothers, uh, spouses, children, for example, to remain in their home if it falls within an AEZ, provided that the home's completely enclosed, that there's no drift entering their house or wherever they may be at that given time. There, there are questions that we are seeking public comment on about how that might look from an enforcement perspective to help provide some regulatory relief for smaller family farms. They propose rules available for public comment for 30 days at regulations.gov. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening.